Welcome to Art of Retreat 2019, the parkour leadership and education retreat. We're in the Cascade Mountains outside of Seattle, Washington. I'm Craig Constantine from Movers Mindset, and I'm here with Alan Tran. Hey, Craig. Alan Tran is a parkour coach, community leader, and the founder of Enzo Movement in North Carolina. He discovered parkour in 2006 and has been passionate about sharing its values and benefits ever since. Alan is involved in the parkour community nationally and collaborates on many projects, including SparkCon, Art of Retreat, and the United States Parkour Association. Welcome, Alan. Hey, thank you. Alan, the title of your talk was Peer Pressure, A Social Context Through Movement. And the first place I'm starting with each presenter is, can you tell me a little bit about how your uh, presentation was set up and, and what topics you covered? Yeah, so it was a skills session where we were delivering um, a morning movement session. And I was one of the first presenters for Art of Retreat, Art of Retreat this year. And I really wanted to kind of bring together a, a level of connection. Mm. Um, starting through movement. So you lead a lot of movement sessions. This isn't something new for you. This is a, a very common you know, thing for you to get a group of people that you may or may not know very well and to lead them into some new space or some new idea. And I'm interested in how being an art of retreat and particularly being out in the woods in this spectacular over-the-top, you really need to come here place that it happens at. I'm wondering how that changes how you approach preparing the sessions or if there are any things that happen in the session that surprise you despite your expectations coming to, to the art of retreat i know that the movement sessions i really love to bring different ideas from uh, different modalities whether it be yoga breath work taiji uh, somatics trying to kind of integrate what i learned from having workshops or classes in in those fields mm -hmm. um, and integrating it so that uh, parkour practitioners can kind of use it to uh, kind of bring it to embody in their practice. Mm -hmm. um, so part of peer pressure this year was kind of looking at just eye connection and, and physical touch mm. and how that changes how we organize and, and move within the space. And then, you know, offering coaches some advice on how can we bring this to, back to, to the classroom? Um, how can we put it on, on rails or walls and mm -hmm. obstacles? And where can we see this in our everyday practice? I think the biggest obstacle or surprise is always how receptive everyone is. I'm always very nervous to be around my peers and, mm. and people that I look up to and share my material. Cool. Um, that's a really good answer, too. <laughs> um, <laughs> so i'm torn between pursuing see because i missed the session right like i miss all yeah the, i miss all yeah, the yeah. sessions so i'm torn between like the personal interest in like what time was the session what was the you know like i, I want to experience it but i it's such a if you're not in the sessions the experience is never really conveyable yeah and i'm just thinking can you talk me through some of the things that you thought the attendance got the most from so you know a modality change maybe was the kind of thing that would really open people's proverbial eyes and what i'm what i'm looking for here is are there things that maybe would transfer to people who are listening that they might have the opportunity to try and reproduce the experiment or reproduce the space that you were able to create here oh of course and part of creating or being within the space of the session is 
having a dialogue and conversation with all of the participants. Mm -hmm. um, but if I was to start somewhere, and what I thought the participants kind of gained a lot of information and uh, insight on was simple eye connection with another person delivers so much information between both partners right. and how we start to interpret or internalize or have like a monologue in our head. Mm -hmm. And we can kind of feel the push and pull. And we don't have to fall victim to uh, the pull of a stranger or push. Um, we also are on our ends with a push and pull, kind of like a tug of war. Right. Um, but it's also this weird place to find different boundaries. And how can I explore that those boundaries without any communication besides Visual. a simple glance? So can you walk me through, um, I know you can't walk me through presenting it, but are there things that you could challenge someone to try? Um, I could think of a bunch of horrible ideas, but I'm yeah. just wondering what types of things you would say to someone who's like, okay, I can only hear you. Um, what can I go out and try to get a glimpse, no pun intended, of the type of interaction that you can create through eye contact? I think people would like cursorily say, I understand eye contact. But I'm suspecting there's a much there are many layers to that. I'm wondering if you can like give people a, a, a specific go try type of thing. Yeah, I think the the simplest would be going out to a, a public space where there's uh, quite a lot of uh, people just walking around and having a soft gaze and looking around to make contact uh, only through 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 sight and kind of observing what happens internally, uh, whether it's sensations through our, mm -hmm. our body um do i feel like a, a need to call out or, or say hey or uh to stand and follow um or maybe in, in on the mental or emotional uh, realm um, what, what am i thinking mm -hmm. uh there were so many other exercises that we did which might have included uh dancing with mm -hmm. someone or moving within a space with someone in, in a tight space making no eye contact so you could also do that in a crowd, mm. uh, like in the subway or notice a hallway. Notice the contacts. Yeah, notice how we move when we're trying to visually avoid others. And then do the opposite and kind of see where the changes or uh, the context kind of lies. So it's one type of challenge to present material to a group of people who are present to say like, okay, I have this thing that I want to share with you. Um, come with me on a journey. <clears throat> but it's another challenge to convey that to them in a way that they can like take it as a lesson and reconvey it. Yes. And I'm wondering, um, I'm going to guess that you're probably more drawn to the latter. You're probably more drawn to like, I really love to see other coaches and other community leaders pick up these topics. And I'm wondering, did you see any, did you, do you actually see that happening in the session? Like, can you actually see them like get a hold of a new thread and that moment of realization of like, oh, that's it, they're hooked. They're going to like get to take that to their students too. Do you get glimpses of that? Ooh, so, bring, so coaches bringing back the tools that I offer or like share mm -hmm. and kind of dive in. It's hard to say just because I get to see the, most of the retreat participants once a year, right. twice a year. But I, do get, I did get really great feedback because we created a circle uh, every time or after some of the exercises. and kind of collected our thoughts as, as, as one group, mm -hmm. uh, sharing kind of our wisdom as we kind of progressed. And 
you could see people start to pick up other ideas, like oh, like what they're uh, this, like what they're bringing into the table or bringing to the table. I totally felt that. I just、mm. didn't have the words. It wasn't. It was kind of in the shadows. It was in the back of my head.、Um, so it's. I think what's cool or unique to a session that the sessions that I run is.、Um, There's just an uncovering or unsheathing process that kind of happens as as a group or a collective.、Mm. So I have been、uh, in a few of your sessions、uh, at events here and there, and I'm trying to remember if they have always been outside. And I'm wondering if I think pretty much everybody who does parkour or art de placement, whatever you, whatever you choose to call your practice, I think everybody is drawn to the outside, and not just because that's where it's supposed to be, but like we really are we are called to the outdoors. Yeah, and I'm wondering if you've ever had a chance. I'm sure you've thought through it, but you've ever had a chance to like actually experiment with: Does the material stick better? Like, is it easier to teach it when we are in that richer sensory space versus you know, like we're doing an eyes. If you're doing an eyes closed drill, one could argue that it's the same if you do it in a gymnasium or if you do it outside. Now, I would argue, no, it's vastly different outside. And I'm just wondering if you've ever have you ever actually played with that and gone into that level of like, no, that sensory is part of what makes the lessons work. I think the overwhelming process of the outdoors is totally what makes it work.、Uh, particularly with our eyesight, with our peripheral, it's only so big with the space around us. And when we are in the the great outdoors,、uh, our, there's a sense of freedom, not only from、uh, in physical movement, but、mm-hmm. also、uh, in, in thought and emotion and、uh, in social space.、Um, yeah, that. That's a very interesting question because we, I, I think parkour. We're trying to build relationships with、uh, the spaces,、mm-hmm. um, and we're drawn to the outdoors, the playgrounds. There's also,、um, especially here. So this has、um, not been a rainy weekend, but there's been like occasional drizzles. So the ground has been staying not even wet, like just just a hint of dampness. And there's a, an olfactory like humans don't actually have a very good sense of smell as far as animals go. Yeah, but You you like I walk out the cabin and the entire space changes from like in here there's a, a wood burning you know stove so there's just you can just like you can sense that and it's very comforting and relaxing and you open the door and you walk outside and it's just like it smells green like you you can smell the earth and I think that primes people so、um, I don't think I've met many people who aren't they love the sleepy I didn't sleep well last night because I'm in a campground but in the morning they actually kind of love that it's just like this. Awakening in the outdoors, and it seems to me like you sort of primed it perfectly to teach this material to people who are like literally and figuratively waking up in the session.、Um, and I'm just wondering, have you <clears throat> have you noticed the differences in time of day when you do this, or are there ways that you? All right, I have to teach a session,、um, a session similar to this in an afternoon, so I know that I need to I need to take time to do like CNS.、Um, I need to do sympathetic. Stimulation first to like get them down off the day so that they can then open up.、Um, it does because I'm guessing it makes a difference whether you teach it in the morning or at dusk or in the middle of the day. Have you ever like played with that? And how does that unpack in terms of like? Do you go into it that far? I actually haven't had the opportunity to play with time of day. I've run this session, particularly this session, with a bunch of adults in North Carolina, and twice at two different art of retreats.、Um, However, I've run it for at-risk youth, and it was incredibly challenging.、Uh, 
uh, at risk. So these these youth come from damaged homes, um, have issues with in school or at jobs, um, drug abuse, and and so on. like the list goes on and on. And just maintaining eye contact or a, a physical touch of having someone's hand on the shoulder mm. or a high five or a handshake, there's a totally different world for for those that are are suffering from from trauma or different at, ri- at different risk. Hmm. I've been super fortunate to to share this this context, social context with mostly adults that love or embody movement um, in their day to day lives, hmm. whether it's parkour or dance or yoga. Do you recall? Um, so I'm going to say that you have an enlightened perspective on this topic, and I'm just going to. Th- I'm like thinking back. Do you recall um, either the Alan before that? You know, before you realized this aspect of the training or this aspect of how interpersonal communication works. Do you recall what you were like before that, or, or can you remember a moment where you got a glimpse of that for the first time? Yeah. So I actually pulled this exercise. Most of the some of the exercises specifically from a contact improv workshop that I had taken with Chris Aiken from Boston. Mm-hmm. Um, and then some of the touch or movement exercises through Taiji um, and, and partner dance and miscellaneous workshops that I've done through the ADF Academy for, for, for dance. Um, and I know before developing this interpersonal relate, like but, yeah, what skill. We, what are we calling this? A skill? Call yeah, a skill. interpersonal <laughs> skill or, or, or soft skill. I was definitely much more inclined to hang on to my, and I, I would say like I'm pretty introverted. I'm, I would be much more inclined to kind of sit hang, back, hang and back. Hang at, and hang back. Whereas now like I understand the dynamic between two people mm-hmm. a, a little bit better, whether it's through communication vocally or, or, or maybe you feel you have tools to understand it so i don't get this interaction but i feel comfortable like leaning into it yeah yeah definitely give me more, more tools to kind of help me process and realize when i'm i am more comfortable to to speak up or to make a connection versus when i when i do need to hang back or mm-hmm. if i'm feeling overwhelmed or just need a quick break so my mind keeps drawing me back to the different ways to look at your perspective on teaching the material and one other perspective would be gender-based so have you noticed differences in how men and women um, react to what you're teaching and and maybe also how good they are at implementing it you know within the within the session so they yes they're receptive but then are they also able to reproduce the material i think i do a good enough of a job that both men and women feel that they're gaining information equally and uh kind of the insight i think particularly with this session this past session and i can kind of uh, backtrack we did an exercise i call it standing dance and you're gluing your you're standing in front of your partner um you're going to glue your feet to the ground so Mm -hmm. your feet don't move what you're trying to do is paint the negative space around your partner Mm, however you're not making any physical contact or eye contact we're not we're not talking at, during this exercise. And what a lot of the participants noticed between male and female partnerships was a lot of, some of the males would hold back. And it was a, it was a cultural thing. Um, 
at least here in America, seeing it in the, in Europe, uh, hearing participant like male participants in Europe, it wasn't as strong of a of a pullback. Mm -hmm. um, whereas here in the U.S., uh, there's just a, there's a certain boundary that many males or men feel uncomfortable crossing, mm -hmm. and it's just interesting to see those that kind of give up or surrender to that as the session kind of continues. Mm. Uh, I'm not sure if it erodes because of experience and, and, bring, and shedding some light onto it throughout the, during the session, or if it's something like internal that's yeah. kind of just clicking. That's interesting. Do the, um, so like I'm just keep going down the rabbit hole. So does that also, does that present as um, like spatial boundaries? In other words, guys, for example, might leave more space around the partner that they're um, tracing out, you know, whether their partner's male or female, but do they leave like a bigger, a bigger personal space untouched? Um, or does it also maybe play out, and I'm just guessing, does it also play out in like, the level of playfulness, like <clears throat> do the women come at the exercise with a little bit more joy and interaction, whereas the men come at it a little bit more like, okay, I'm, I'm gonna just I'm doing the thing exactly the way I should be doing the thing. I'm wondering if there are also that, there's like another dimension to that too. Yeah, and I actually find a lot of the male participants are trying to really stick to the task and kind of like problem solve. Mm. Whereas I'm, I've found a lot of more of the female practitioners or movers uh, open to curiosity and play and um, kind of seeing where the space kind of grows. Um, part of the male and female or even male to male or female to female relationship, in the exercise, I'll switch it up. So now we're making eye contact or we're making physical contact. And the pacing of the, the session mm. changes as touch, particularly touch, not necessarily the eye contact, uh, becomes a a pivotal like uh, point of focus mm. during the exercises, guy. I, and I even for myself, I observe that I'm not comfortable touching certain parts of a female practitioner in front of me. Whereas with guys, I might be a little bit more open and and comfortable and loose in in terms of like how relaxed I am. Just to go back on that pacing or building that relationship with the partner, mm -hmm. we switched it up so every participant got to exchange and build a connection with three or four different partners. And seeing the level of comfort kind of grow with mm -hmm. each partner uh, was very interesting to see also. Um, we were able, to, like, as you, as you start to kind of embody the exercise of building a relationship with another person non-verbally you can kind of be a little bit quicker on your feet on, on making it make it happen hmm. and do you have any idea whether that sticks or, or how well that sticks with people so um if you take this lesson is it um like a deep insight and once i've picked it up then it's something that i'm able to apply or do you feel like that what you're teaching them is that this is a practice that you should continue I mean, it's healthy you should do it all the time but it's like this is something you have to do is like maintenance. Like you should go and do this type of practice on a regular basis because it's good for you. Or is it like a lesson that you can kind of learn and internalize? I think it's a lesson that you can learn and internalize. Um, this exercise would be great for those that do need practice, who might be socially anxious or 
have social anxiety mm. or um, maybe these are some exercises that need to be refined and, and practiced regularly mm. with a partner that you, that you have comfort with right, strangers, right. you know, finding yeah, progression. Progress this. What is something that you're currently, and struggling is too strong a word, but what's something that you're currently working on that would maybe like be farther along on this arc? So I'm going to say that you don't have this particular need to work on this particular skill that you were teaching in this drill, but I'm wondering, okay, so as you go further along on that journey, where does it take you after you've done some contact, you know, uh, dance and after you've done some dance and you've done... Um, parkour and you've taught this drill like what what are you working on that's farther down this train of thought wow i feel like i've put a pause on this train of thought there's some other ideas that i've been working on at least for coaching skills and coaching modalities but where i see this going is and where i've taken it is bringing this to my own personal relationships that i have with my parents my girlfriend my friends and family, 10 years, like five years ago, 10 years ago, I was totally different in terms of touch and how touch sensitive I was with strangers. Yeah, I'm laughing along that idea. I'm laughing at me. I agree. Me too. Yeah. <laughs> now I feel much more comfortable giving hugs and, and tapping yeah. someone on the shoulder. Or if someone particularly comes from behind me in touch, I'm no longer in a state of like shocking, like mm, automatic you know, defense. Yeah. Um, I'm much more open to it. And I don't mm. know if it's because of putting it into practice, having a dialogue and having these conversations grow up, just getting older? Well, I don't know, but I, I would venture to guess that it's those things, but also you've heightened your, and I'm guessing, you've heightened your ability to sense contact in the back. Yeah. And, and now that contact isn't as startling as like, oh, that's not an aggressive touch. And, and that's something that like, I wouldn't necessarily be able to I'm like, that's contact in the back. I don't like that. I can't see it. Yeah. And, and like that, just that, that's a relatively minor thing, but that's a really valuable thing to learn, to understand what it's like to be touched in different places and, and to be able to pick up just intrinsically. Yeah. That's, that's good. That's bad. That's, that's aggressive. That needs to be looked into or that kind of thing. Yeah. And how to express those boundaries, um, particularly consensual or non-consensual boundaries. Mm. Um, it's very easy in a space where we're kind of bringing or bridging that dialogue uh, between different people who are, are looking to kind of heighten and, and dilate their senses. Right. But how do I do that when I bring it out? In daily life, right? Yeah, day-to-day day day life. Um, and maybe it's just some internal reflection or maybe it's putting it into practice. Yeah, maybe observing how other people aren't putting it into practice. So just um, I, one of the things I've noticed is um, be, becoming more aware of the reaction to me that I see in other people. Um, aside from being particularly useful of like, whoops, that was must have been really offensive based on the reaction I just got. But being able to see other people's reactions, that's another form of sensitivity that you can develop to see that, that well, I can tell this person really does not want me to bump into them as I pass them on the street. And then that gives you opportunities to do all kinds of things like move out of the way or bump into them on purpose. But, but that's a, another out, another out um, cropping that would come from as I become more sensitive of touch, then I become more sensitive to understanding how other people react to touch. It's like a whole other meta level on top of that. Um, it's just me jumping on your train of thought. Yeah, and I wanted to bring this to Art of Retreat because social connection is so powerful 
um, on our mental health, hmm. on relationships, on our happiness. Um, I want to kind of share and see how coaches can kind of build a stronger connection for their communities, their their students, their their peers, and it can be as simple as eye contact or a high five mm-hmm. or a hug. Yeah, a good hug. There's different kinds of hugs, right? Yeah, <laughs> so many hugs different are, layers of hugs. Yes, yes. Ones where you're you're crying and just need a shoulder. Others where you're embracing someone you haven't seen in a while. Yep. yep. All right, at, Alan. At the risk of like spinning this off into a two-hour podcast, um, were you the person who started the people running down the sidewalk after ARDV on one held breath? I think that was <laughs> that was the thing that happened one evening. Yeah, it was with Sasha and Skachipsticks. We had done a breath rhythm session where we're refining a, a rhythm. It, could, it was like a three, three and five count mm-hmm. where you're inhaling for three, exhaling for five. It's a very simple rhythm. Um, however, you were to match your movement on a long route. Ooh. Trying to maintain that rhythm the entire time for about, I believe, 45 minutes. You can go at any pace. Simply be walking, going over a wall, going over a rail, diving under, doing a little roll, whatever. But your pace had to match your rhythm to maintain the breath. (laughs) And what got me thinking a little bit more was just freediving and seeing kind of the the retrievals that they'll do. They'll drop a, some of the divers will drop a heavy weight or a golden coin or something random uh, to the bottom of the, the pool. And on one breath, they'll swim down, grab the, grab the item and, and bring it back. Um, that's where the exercise was inspired from. Oh. So, but we've taken a lot further. There's different ways to kind of find that, find or develop a, a breath rhythm, matching it to movement. There's tons of ways that I've been experimenting with breath retention and mm. uh, yeah with obstacles. Alan, so we branched in two directions, but I think if people are interested in either of the topics we were talking about, how can they get a hold of you? Where can they find you? Maybe where might you be teaching next? Yeah, they can find me at Alan, A-L-A-N, at ensomovement.com, through ensomovement.com, on Instagram at Alan S. Tran. Um, and the next big, where could they find me next? Definitely at Art of Retreat Europe. Art of Retreat Europe. In or- April. Probably at Rendezvous, if Blake's not tired of me after coming or <laughs> joining for five or six years now. Maybe with Dan at London Rendezvous. Mm-hmm. We'll, we'll see. We'll see. But my biggest one is International Gathering. I would love mm. to coach there. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bug the street movement team. I, I, let me know because I need to go back. So that'd be cool. All right. Well, Alan, as always, it's a pleasure talking to you. Thanks for taking the time. Thank you, Craig. This was one of 23 interviews from the 2019 North American Art of Retreat. To hear the rest, check out Art of Retreat on castbox.fm. You can find out more about the Art of Retreat at artofretreat.com. Thank you for listening.